Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Hyman, coming to you guys live on a beautiful Tuesday morning, March 7th, 2023. Special day for the Transformational Coaching Podcast. Uh, Today we're joined live uh, with Coach Trey Allison, head JV baseball coach and varsity assistant at South Lawrence High School and co-founder of the Sandlapper Baseball League. Uh, He's joining us for the first ever segment of Coach's Corner. Uh, In true Coach Allison fashion, he's always about being first, uh, so he's going to have an opportunity to do that today. Coach Allison, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me today. Very honored to be the first uh, to go at this and the guinea pig of all this. Uh, very impressed with what you've been doing. I think you're putting some good material out there, and uh, I, I hope your listeners are very appreciative of all you've provided. It's good good work, man. Well, uh, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you taking time to come on today. Um, you know, I've, I've said for the longest time, uh, we've got tremendous baseball talent, and we have tremendous baseball coaches uh, in this community, and you fall into that uh, that category of great coaches. Uh, who really follow that transformational coaching mindset uh, that we look for and that are that's so important to us and our kids and the families of these kids. So uh, we appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, and I know, you know, our listeners today are going to get, you know, some really good information, some insight into who Coach Allison is, what he's all about. Um, I'm sure there's parents at the middle school level, kids that, you know, parents that are looking at their kids saying, well, my kid's going to be a part of that program one day. So, you know, what are those coaches all about? And I think you represent that really well. You represent everything great about coaching. Uh, You have that blue collar and South Lawrence brand to a T. You uh, bleed that Columbia blue and gold. So I'm excited for our listeners to be able to hear about that. So without further ado, uh, talk to us a little bit, Coach Allison, about Coach Coach Trey Allison, the man, and Coach Trey Allison, the coach. What you got for us? What do you want listeners to know about you, Coach? You know, we'll start with the man first. You know, uh, obviously, uh, we're 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 both gifted in what we're what we do. We have opportunities. Um, you know, the job that I'm doing right now with Capstone, I've been with them for about 12 years now. Um, just a little bit of you know information about them. We're a residential, commercial, uh, property claim adjusting firm, specializes general liability stuff. I oversee our North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Maryland operation, our day to day operations. Um, it does require some travel, but all in all, you know, I'm very fortunate to have the freedoms that working for Capstone gives me to spend quality time with my family and to also do what I love to do, my true passion, which is be around the game of baseball. Um, you know, God has certainly blessed me, and I'm thankful for that those opportunities every day, and I'm thankful for Capstone that, that gives me that opportunity um, to do both work and do something that I truly love to do on the side. Um, I think not not yeah. interrupt you, but I think that's a that's a big thing. I, I've talked about in the past just work life balance and stuff. When you have you know you work for a company that really appreciates that, yeah. uh, and 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 I've coached with you for six years now, and um, yeah, I know that's been a big part of you know one of the things that you really. I mean, you're you're a, you're a home run hire for any company out there. The fact that you know they've been able to keep you and everything else. And, and, and that just speaks volumes to the type of company you work for and, and, and all that. So I think that's awesome that, you know, I can appreciate that because I, you know, my, in my industry, work-life balance, being, having the ability to do what we love and what you're passionate about, it makes going to work every day easier too. Just easier. knowing like 
they appreciate that. So, well, it does. And, you know, it's crazy. One of the one of the interviewing questions that I received when I was hired from them 12 years ago is, you know, things that I did growing up. And was I an athlete? And obviously playing baseball was a home run for me in the interviewing process um, as to why they chose to hire me because that competitive nature that athletes have. Um, Absolutely. It's important. Yeah. But, um, you know, personal life, my, my beautiful wife, Tara, I, I'd, I'd be probably fussed at if I did not mention her today. You know, she is an absolute warrior. She supports me in everything I do. She is a avid supporter of Bruin baseball. Um, she is. She allows, and I am going to use that word allows, because I think we both have wives that allow us to be at the baseball field 10 months out of the 12 months in a year absolutely um, so she's a warrior you know she's a trooper i love her for it um we have two beautiful baby boys so i'd say baby boys but they are now five and three ford is five tate is three you know it's funny i thought you know and you got holt who's what almost four four now yeah he's he's four it'll be five this year you know i thought that the lord was gonna bless me with two little girls just basically because of the way of the, the life that I lived growing up. But I think instead he gave me two bad boys who were just as wild and crazy and fearless as I was to make my life that much more difficult. But they're, they're beautiful. They're healthy. They're in their early stages of playing rec league baseball and nice. uh, out at Greenwood, got them signed up for rookie ball and T-ball. And, um, you know, I, I love it. I, I so, love being a so father. Go ahead. The the question I have for you: you uh you gonna coach a little Greenwood baseball this year too? You know, I, I, I matter of fact, I spoke to both the coaches yesterday. Um, my for uh, taste T ball coach happened to be Force T ball coach, so he knows what I do on uh, on the side. And then Ford's coach called me last night, and and we talked for a little bit, and uh, he remembered me from being out out from Evergreen, which is where I'm, you know, where I was raised at and uh, attended Evergreen Baptist Church at. And he remembered me from being out there. And, you know, I told him that I, you know, coached at South Florence as well, that I'd be willing to do whatever I can do to help. But, you know, right now, you know, my main expectations for my five-year-old and my three-year-old is just have fun, man. Just God, have I love fun that, man. Game. Learn the game as much as you can. Have fun with it. If you want to go out in the outfield and dig in the dirt, that's fine. I'm not the fuss at you. Maybe, you know, field a ground ball here here now and, you know, get a base hit here and there. But other than that, that's man, just, a, have fun. just have I fun. I think, I, you know, to your point there, I think that's one of the big things that gets overshadowed today um, because I, I think a lot of parents, when they the kids start their recreation, their baseball journey, um, not enough parents keep the end in mind, you know, we start putting a lot of extra pressure on them at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You know, all these these early ages, and and really what we forget is the real pressure cook situations. They come when they get to high school. You know, that's when the game starts getting. You know, you're working ten months out of year at your craft. You know, yeah. the, the moments mean more. You know, I see so many kids that, sh and you see this as a head JV coach. They show up, they're burnt out, they're beat down. And it's just from years and years of just people putting the wrong emphasis on on what they 
what the game is all about. I mean, we we practice this every day. You know, we talk about quality at bats and, you know, doing your job and stuff like that. How many kids show up to you as freshmen and still don't really have a good understanding of what success looks like and, you know, a runner on third less than two outs, you know, how easy even at bat that is in terms of, I mean, hey, if you want to roll one over to the shortstop there to – it's okay. Get the run in. I, I Back to my original point, it's just – it's something that's missing from the earliest levels of the game. And I love the fact that you just touched on that. Like you're, you're a high school baseball coach, you know, if, if anybody's kids should be, you know, prepared to go out and excel and make all stars and get hits every time and all that, you know, people are going to say, man, Trey Allison's kids, they should be really good at that. But the fact that you're like, I'm not worried about those things right now because I know the pressure's coming down the line. Let's just love the game and have fun, teach them the fundamentals. I think it's great, and that speaks to the volumes to you is why you are a great coach. Well, and, and I completely agree with you on that, you know, I, and, and we see it at this level where, you know, and listen, we, we hear people talk all the time about kids that are in the rec league, city league, whatever they're playing, travel ball. Hey, look out for this kid. Look out for this kid. He's eight. He's going to be your next stud. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, he's eight. He may not even want to play baseball when he's 14. That's it, I mean, man. And, and that's just, you know, what we're dealing with now. And, I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later on about, you know, what things maybe we see from being coaches at the high school level as to what could be done at the rec league level, maybe focusing more on things. But, um. You know, and I get it. Winning is important. I get it. Everybody wants to win, man. I hate losing more so than I love to win. You know, yep. but I, everybody wants to win. But but what are we teaching kids? If we're only emphasizing winning at that level, you know, what, what are we teaching them? You're right. 100%. I love it, Coach. It's what it's all about. So – Talk to us a little bit about your uh, your journey through the game. What what yeah. what about you know what what's your background in baseball? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I started at a young age, probably I mean maybe five six, getting into it. You know, played out at Evergreen, and um, then went up to Greenwood, then you know went to Southside, which um, you know made the middle school team. I made a, I'm sorry, middle school team didn't even exist then, but I made the JV team as a seventh grader, so I was a part of the South Florence baseball program from 1992 to when I graduated in 97. You know, I was uh, played JV baseball seventh and eighth grade year, uh, played JV baseball a little bit of my ninth, my ninth grade year, got brought up to varsity um, during my freshman year campaign. Um, at that time, you know, we were 1994, we were a top 10 baseball program in the country. Uh, didn't get to see much playing time at that time. Um, it wasn't until my sophomore year that I became a starter. I was a three-year starter for South Florence, um, two-year all-region, one-year all-state. Um, I was a part of a team that won the 1996 IP Baseball Classic that's down in Georgetown. I think we're still one of the two programs that's won that, won that tournament twice. Yep. Um, also was a part of the program in 1996, where we, again, were ranked nationally. I think we got as high as seventh in the country. We had a 21 game winning streak. I think at that time, which may be, uh, maybe the still, longest, still the longest in South Florence history. It is. Yeah. Um, 
but graduated in 1997, was All-State, was uh, All-American Honorable Mention. I was invited to participate in Team One, which was played down in Clemson, uh, which showcased some of the top top baseball players in the Southeast. Um, was highly rated, recruited um, throughout the state, some schools from out of state. I am a Gamecock. I signed with the University of South Carolina, um, signed a letter of intent to play. It was down between them and Clemson. Uh, my dad told me, son, if you if you sign with Clemson, I will not wear orange and I will not cheer <laughs> for you, but I will. True Gamecock. Yeah. True Gamecock. You know, unfortunately, but uh, unfortunately, my, my college career did not pan out the way that I had hoped. Um, you know, I got to South Carolina in 1997, um, came in with a top recruiting class in the country that was under Coach Tanner's first full year or first year being hired at South Carolina. Uh, part of that recruiting class locally, Trip Kelly, who was a standout at West Lawrence High School, Sean Spivey, who was a standout at Lake City, uh, Brian Jeffcoat, who was a standout at Lexington, Kip Boatnight, who obviously was an incredible pitcher in high school and was a Golden Spikes Award winner at South Carolina. Those yep. are a few of the names locally that, that were in that recruiting class. Um, I came in as a, as, a, as a freshman, and I put the weight on the world on my shoulders. I had tremendous amount of pressure on myself to come in and perform right away, and that was just unrealistic expectations that I set for myself. Um, the beginning of my fall practice did not start the way I'd hoped. Um, I had to have a, you know, I, I, I had to have a little sit down one-on-one with myself and try to get back to doing the things, the small things that we continue to talk about. Now I had to get back to doing those small things that made me the player that I was in high school. And I got to, I got back to that and I ended the fall much better than I started the fall. But at, but at the end of the day, it wasn't enough at that time. And coach Tanner sat me down. And we had a realistic conversation. He said, Trey, I, I want to redshirt you, but I realistically, I want you to come back. And I want you to be a part of this program because I think you could uh, contribute, you know, as a redshirt freshman. And, and um, you know, that that hit me. That was an ego booster. That was, a, that was an ego deflator. It deflated me. I mean, it just knocked me out. I think I remember calling my dad, and I believe I was, I mean, I was almost in tears um, because I was just devastated. Devastated. I first, first time in your life. Yeah, first, first time, time in your life you experienced that. And I, think, I was devastated, man. That's and, uh, um, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just what? thinking, like, you know, just coaching high school athletes. Um, yeah, you know, some we run into, you know, they, they show up. They've always been a big fish in a small pond. Um, they've been one of the best one or two players on every team they've ever played for. They show up at South Lawrence or West Florence or – you know, wherever, and they go from being one of the best, you know, the best, you know, now they're one of the 10 best, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, and that's the first time in their life they've been asked to embrace a role and be really good at it. And even if it's not the role they want, um, that's a struggle. Mentally, it, it'll beat you down. Um, I remember, you know, my college journey, as brief as it was, I remember at one point the last time before I hung it up, just kind of looking around at everybody around me saying, yeah, I don't have it anymore, man. Like these dudes, I don't have the fire. I don't have the grit. I don't have the, you know, I don't belong here. Cause I just, 
didn't have it anymore. And, uh, you know, so that's one of the challenges we run into, as you know, in, in high school, um, you know, managing expectations. A lot of times the problems we run into with players and parents, it comes down, comes down to unmet expectations. It sounds like, you know, for your playing career, you know, you ran into a similar situation. Well, it was, it was the first bit of adversity that I'd ever faced as a baseball player. I mean, I, I mean, I, I was a successful high school baseball player. I, I had, you know, I was a good teammate. I, I, I mean, I worked hard. I, I mean, it was what I did. You know, we didn't have the luxuries that kids nowadays have where it's, where you have all these assets at your fingertips. You know, I had to get together. We didn't have fall ball. You know, we didn't have a weight room. We did, but, you know, it wasn't like we got today. You know, you had to right. do these things on your own. If you wanted to be a good athlete, you had to work on your own. You had to put in the work. And all that work that I put in leading up to that point in my life just felt like it had just all just come crashing down. And, um, you know, so what'd you dad, do about it, coach? Well, my dad being the man that he was allowed me to make the decision that I did, which ultimately led me to leave South Carolina and transfer into Francis Marion, which I had reached out to Francis Marion and, and, and told them my my plans. Um, and I'd also reached out to, you know, Spartanburg Methodist JUCO at the time because I my 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 plans were to maybe go play somewhere else play, which is what I ultimately wanted to do, was just freaking play as a freshman. That's what I really wanted to do. And the expectations that I put up myself at South Carolina were just unrealistic. And I didn't want to be redshirted. I mean, like I said, I didn't I didn't quite understand what that meant at that time. Um, so I left. And my dad let me make that decision on my own. And it was a mistake. It was a big mistake. I should have never left. I should have stuck around. And I should have fought through the adversity. But I didn't. And I left, and it was a mistake. So, I, but anyway, but I, I came to Francis Marion the spring of my freshman year in '98. Played, started some at Francis Marion. Played a good bit. Um, yeah, freshman year was wasn't that great. It was all right. It was okay. Um, fortunately for me, Coach Tanner had still maintained contact. He actually helped me get into the Coastal Plains League for that summer. Um, I played for the Florence Red Wolves, which who they they had just moved from North Carolina into Florence. Yep. Um, so that was an easy transition for me. And Coach Tanner helped me get into that league. Uh, played for them that, that summer, about 25, 26 games into it, for my rotator cuff. Um, had had some arm soreness, really didn't think much about it. You know, during those times, if you're hurt, you play through it. If you're sore, you keep throwing. I mean, you know, and that's what I did, and, and I ended up tearing my arm. And uh, surgery at the time was an option. I chose not to have surgery. I went through about eight, nine months of rehab. Um, went from playing third base to playing second base. Coming back from that injury, it just wasn't the same. And much like you, I don't know if it was just me leaving South Carolina and the whole thing that happened there. I just lost the love for the game, man. I just didn't want to be around it. I rather, I, I, my mind was on other things. I was 19, 20. I was in college. I was doing the college thing. I, I wasn't yep. going to focus on baseball anymore. And I just kind of stepped, stepped to the side and I call it a resignation. <laughs> <laughs> retired my jersey but it yeah. was a <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great well but, it, it, go ahead sorry yeah 
but you know, and and so I was in Columbus. So, but anyway, I I I I quit baseball. I stayed at Francis Marion for about another year. I wanted to be back in Columbia, so I ended up transferring back to South Carolina. I ended up graduating from the University of South Carolina. Still followed the South Carolina baseball team. Still love them to this day. Huge fan of Coach Tanner. I love him. He's a great coach. He was very inspirational for me in that four or five months that I had with him and the things that I learned from him and the life lessons that I took from that. Um, so I, I, I was back in Columbia and stayed in Columbia till about eight years ago where nice. I moved back to Florence and um, moved back to Florence for the sole purpose that my, my dad had been battling some health issues. Uh, my, um, I just got married in 2013 and I think I was 35 when I got married. I mean, I'd lived life. I waited until the, until, until she found me, basically she found me. I didn't find her. She found me. Um, That's right. And, um, so and we moved back to Florence and then my father passed away and then coach gray reached out to me and, um, you know, coach gray coached me at South Florence. He was the assistant coach under Jimmy Weatherford and he had coached me at South Florence and he had also coached me during Legion baseball. Um, a couple years, um, and he reached out to me, wanting to know if I wanted to help be an assistant coach, and and it was almost like I could hear my dad's voice in my head saying, "Here's your, here's your, here's your calling, son. Here's your calling. Here's something That's you powerful. can do." It's and um, and I told him absolutely, I'd be more than happy to come out and help, and um, and it started eight years ago. And I mean, life's funny that way. I never intended on being a baseball coach. Like my goal in life was never to be a baseball coach. I was always going to be the baseball player. I was the one getting coached. I wasn't the one coaching. And, um, and, and then eight years ago, it just completely flipped. And I mean, you know, it's funny how it works out, man. It it is funny how that, you know, you know, life's a, it's a weird thing, man. I, to your point about that, you know, you get you looking back now, I'm like, man, I should have been, a, you know, why wasn't I thinking like when I was playing, hey, I want to be a coach one day because we had great coaches like Jimmy great Weatherford coach. was a great coach for you. Great I played for coach game. for. Yeah, I mean, Hall of Famer. I mean, just, you know, he's on the Mount Rushmore of South Lawrence baseball. Coach. He's probably on the Mount Rushmore of coaches in the state of, in the state of South Carolina definitely yeah. in the PD area. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we had great coaches that were great men. You know, I had played for Coach Gray my whole career. And um, it's just – it's shocking to me, like, to your point, like, you know, all these years later, it's like, oh, I'm back in – like, I got back into the game because my oldest son was playing, you know. And then through that, I found the love and the passion for it and ended up, you know, at South Florence coaching. And just weird – I. I I can never put my finger on why I wasn't thinking about coaching. I think to your point, it's like we always viewed our lives as I'm the player. I'm going to be the player. I've got this, you know, these aspirations for D1 baseball and major league baseball and all this other stuff. And then, you know, it doesn't happen. And then I think our natural defense mechanism is to shut down from the game completely because it's, it's a painful process. We talked about this with our players last night about, you know, when it's over, it's over and there's no pain outside of losing somebody you love. It's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. 
Um, it, it, yeah, it is a tough pill to swallow. It was it was very real for me having to swallow that pill when baseball was no longer a part of my life. And 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 Coach Gray, I mean, just came back and it just was a blessing. And he put it he put the game that I gave so much to back in my life and gave me that opportunity to be with these kids and build these relationships. And you talk about, you know, coaches being inspirational. I mean, I tell people to this day, I tell our own players to this day, the three most influential men in my life are my father, my grandfather, and my high school baseball coach. Yep. I mean, those are the three most influential people of my life. Coach Welford had a huge impact on me growing up and what I did and who and has and 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 who I am today as a man. Absolutely. You know, but but anyway, you know, so eight years, eight years I've been coaching. Um, I, I was just recently named a JV head coach leading into the 2022 season. Um, I've been an assistant under under Coach Dickerson, who was the JV head coach, who's now the head varsity assistant. I've been uh, been I've worked with with Coach Gray at the varsity level and with our junior legion program for for the last eight years as well, which, as we both know, is no longer going to be our junior legion program, you know. Um, Sandlap for baseball, baby. Baseball. If, if you want to in- inquire about uh, a spot in the league limited to the first 24, we're filling up fast. We are filling up fast. <laughs> Shameless plug. You know, but it, it's, it's – it's, uh, again, it's, it's just another excitement, another exciting thing that I think is coming to, to this area to us that baseball brings and absolutely um, um, i'm excited well, th- well thank you for sharing your background in the game i one story a quick story i'll tell about coach allison is <clears throat> we talked today about the uh the impact that our players and our program have on young people uh at the recreational level at the middle school level and stuff like that and um you know my cousin jason hyman played baseball with trey allison and uh, now Jason didn't do too much playing. Um, you know, he did a lot of chewing sunflower seeds and, you know, <laughs> drinking waters and stuff like that, pulling splinters out of his butt. No, I'm just kidding, Jason. I love you. Um, he played, he he played a good bit. Hey, but he's a girl, was as good as I was, but he was out there catching ground balls with me. That's right. And he, y'all, you know, he was, he would, he tells me all the time, he said, man, if I would have played on th- these teams, I would have started every game, man. I mean, back then, I mean, y'all had about nine D1 guys on your roster. But um, anyway, so, uh, you know, I spent my early years growing up going to watch the Bruins play. And, um, you know, people like Coach Allison, you know, the impact they had on South Florence baseball, they were the reason that I had a dream of wearing a South Florence baseball jersey one day. It's because they were cool and – they played hard and they won a lot. And they just had – I tell our teams now, like, that team, when they got off the bus, they had a certain amount of swagger. And they – you know, you knew that they were there to take care of business. They were mean. They played the game hard. Um, they played for each other. And, you know, they accomplished a lot of stuff. But it was you guys, y'all, um, that really made being a member of South Lawrence baseball team cool. And that's – kind of growing up that's why I wanted to play and we tell our players all the time like you are having an impact on those young people that show up to our game so carry the torch represent the program the right way because to some kid you're their hero and for me coach Allison you're one of my heroes when I was younger so I appreciate that man 
and that that means a lot to me. And um, you know, we 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 preach to our kids every day about enjoying the moment and and it being a brotherhood. And you know, and and there's there's players that I played with today or back then that I still talk with to this day. Um, yep. And those are memories that you'll have for the rest of your life, kids. If you're out there, don't take it for granted. It will eventually be over. And you Absolutely. have nothing but memories and nothing but relationships. So what you make of those is, is what you're going to get out of it. You know, so. 100%. All right. So, yeah, man. No, thanks for sharing that story with us. Um, so I want to shift gears a little bit um, and kind of get into the your role within the program and kind of, you know, some stuff that maybe you can pass on to future Bruins and stuff like that. So, you know, you're the head of the JV program. Um you know, I know what you're all about. I've been coaching with you for a long time. I think we got the right guy leading our freshmen and sophomore, preparing them for be to be Bruins, uh, you know, varsity Bruins at some point. But um, you have such a critical job in the development of the future of our program. Um, so talk a little bit about some of the things that are important to you that it helps you set those players up for success as sophomores, success as juniors, success as seniors for the rest of their career? Well, you know, I think first and foremost it's important to understand the purpose of JV baseball or, for that matter, the middle school baseball. And, in my, and this, again, this is my opinion, and it may differ from, from other JV head coaches and middle school head coaches, but in my opinion, I think the JV team, the middle school team, is intended to feed the varsity team and my top priority as a JV head coach is preparing these players to play at the varsity level. You know, right. at, at at its most basic, that means developing their skills and their baseball IQ to a sufficient level. Um, you know, more than that, it also means getting them ready, playing you play, uh, getting them ready to play using the systems and tactics of the varsity team. You know, everything. Well, you know, every, well, and it's and it's true. Everything that varsity is doing, we're mimicking at the JV level. And just last night, you and I were discussing. It might have been yesterday. Uh, might have been you. Maybe been myself and Rhodes. How we can get that format to the Southside team? Absolutely, um, which is important. You know, from from everything from from base running technique to getting leads to bunting, to bunt coverages, to first and third defense, to first and third offense, even even my signals, even my signals mimic the varsity signals. Right. And we do this as a program, and I believe in this approach. And as a coach, I believe in it because we want to make sure when we bring a kid up from the JV squad or a player is starting his first season on varsity – that he's already going to be familiar with all things varsity, which will make competing at the varsity level a smoother transition. I love that, man. I, you know, we've, I, I think we've said for a long time, um, the only thing that really changes as players progress through the various levels of baseball is the, the pace of the game, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the ball's coming at you harder. Uh, the plays are happening faster. The velocity on the pitches go up. Uh, and so our job as coaches is to try to help slow the game down for those guys. And one way you can slow the game down is by knowing, like actually knowing like 
the material, knowing what we need to do. Like, not just like, yeah, I know that. Like, you truly know that. I heard Andy Hallett one time talk about, you know, what's two plus two, and everybody knows that's four. But if you said, well, what's 113 times 72, well, I, I got to pull my calculator out because I don't know that. So our job as coaches to to instill these situations in them, instill uh, their baseball skills and IQ, make it higher. So there is no learning curve. So, you know, it's they just know. I mean, we were doing double cuts yesterday and yeah. you know, it started off like a little little rusty, but I think it finished pretty good. And, you know, it was just an example of something like, you know, we talked about with them, like, hey, ball down the line, like as part of your pre-pitch routine, you have to be running this scenario through your mind, you know, yeah. and those are the things that are learned. Like they're really, you start knowing, like actually knowing these stuff at the ninth and 10th grade level. That way, when you get on the varsity field, your pre it's already part of your pre-pitch routine and you know it. So, well, and that's what, and, and, and I personally think that our, and it may be like this at other, at other schools. I know some may not be like this, but I personally think that our JV program is at an advantage in comparison to other JV programs. When we talk about potential success later on in the high school career, and I think we've seen those results at the varsity level after a JV player becomes a varsity player. You know, I, I certainly credit my development at a JV at the JV level because I was able to practice and compete with varsity players as a JV player. And we do the same with our JV players now. We're practicing together. And, you know, many coaches use that that phrase, what is it, iron, iron sharpens iron, yeah. iron sharpens iron, which is absolutely true. But imagine, and this may, this may hopefully this makes sense, imagine those sharp pieces of iron, the varsity players, spending time with less sharp pieces of iron, the JV players, and then working with them. Yep. And and the JV players getting to see how the varsity's handling things. And the and the JV players getting to compete with the varsity players. I mean, there's absolutely a mutual benefit of making others better through mentorship. And, and, and I believe that our varsity players do an incredible job of taking these younger JV players and Maybe I don't want to say, you know, put them under the wing, but, you know, they, no, that's what they do. I mean, they, you know, they give them advice. They help them out. You know, the other day, Aiden Palmer went down to go talk to Mason Coleman about something that Aiden saw with his pitching. And, and both Aiden, Aiden's a, obviously Aiden's one of the top pitchers in the state, in my opinion, probably the top pitcher in the state. Uh, definitely no the top left handed pitcher in the state. And Mason Coleman is another kid who's got a potentially good future ahead of him as a left-handed pitcher and what better guy to get advice from than someone like Aiden Palmer and Nailed I, it. and I think um and I and that's why I, I mean I, and I love I love our practice format our JV kids are out there practicing with our varsity kids and um I mean I think it makes them better it helps further prepare them for the varsity level absolutely you know, so. 100% agree with that. I think one thing that as you look across our practices, what you see is you see a lot of guys drinking from the same water hose, a lot of guys getting the same, getting the same uh, coaching, um, being held to the same standard uh, and all that. So I think it's great. Um, now, you touched on something a little while ago about development. Um, yep. You know, I think as you look across the state, there's people that have different 
philosophies on winning versus development. You know, the JV level, um, you know, I always kind of thought, like, regardless of what the level was, you, we had to be instilling some level of competition and some value in winning because I think later in life you got to win, you know, yeah. and you learn yeah. how to win, how to deal with adversity and stuff like that at the at the lowest levels of life. And the quicker you can pick it up and, and get it, the better off you are. So yeah. talk about as, as the head coach of the JV team, you know, how do you balance development versus versus winning? On, well, you know, if you, go ahead. Yeah, well, first, you know, I, I, and, I, and I believe that winning games really will take care of itself if you prepare the team to play hard and always give their best effort. And, and that is what we're going to do regardless of the lineup that is run out on the field. But Oh, that's great. To, to answer that question, you know, you know, the way I look at balancing development versus winning at the JV level could really apply to maybe any situation where you have like a first team, second team situation. And now with a third team situation with middle school baseball, being the first team being varsity, second team being JV, third team now being the middle school. By that, what I mean is that the the competitive focus is on the first team, which is the varsity. And there's a clear link between the two squads you know, the second team being JV, which is which is the feeder for your first team, and then the, and then now middle school being the feeder for JV. You know, JV is clearly the more developmental team, and usually your JV consists of your younger, less experienced players. That doesn't mean that you ignore development at the varsity level, and it doesn't mean that JV teams don't play to win because we most certainly do. Um, the balance for the varsity between competition and development just means just leans more toward competition than it does for the JV. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't look at our, our JV schedule and look at an opponent and say, what do we need to do to prepare for this opponent? Um, everything that we do as a JV program should be focused on our own improvement. You know, worrying about what we can't control, playing to our strengths, having what I think is the absolute critical piece of being a baseball player is having the right mental approach in the game. I love that. You're mentally checked out. It's not going to matter. If you don't have mental toughness in this game, you're going to be out of it very quickly. Baseball is hard, and it'll put you down quick. I put me down. It's put you down. It's it's put it's putting guys in Major League Baseball down. You're going to fail at this game more so than you succeed. And if you don't have the right mental approach and doing the small things, you're not going to be successful. So, you know. To, to me, the JV program needs to work on that. Worrying about what we can control. Worrying about our own improvement. Worrying about doing the small things that will bring success on the field as a JV team and that will bring individual success to a JV player. Um, Man, you got me ready to run through a daggone brick wall, Coach. I mean, it's t- it, it is tough. It's tough because everybody loves to win, man. Everybody wants to win. And your listeners may probably think to yourself, hell, this coach, Dagum, he ain't winning baseball games. Be doing that. Well, that's wrong. We yeah. are very successful at the JV level in developing and in winning 
running out different lineups. And it's because we're putting so much focus on development at that age that when I put in a kid who may not be playing all the time, he's going to be successful because he's prepared to play and we develop it in the right way. Um, Absolutely. I think I think one thing I love, you know, and I've I've been your assistant on JV for ever since you took over that, and I think one thing I love is whenever we start talking about lineups and stuff like that, yeah. you always have a really good plan for how you're going to make sure a guy that doesn't play every day gets put into good situations. I think that speaks volumes to the type of coach you are. Um, but one thing I appreciate is the fact that you know I know a lot of coaches who will run that second lineup out in a doubleheader. And they'll find themselves in a close ball game late in the game, and they'll start taking their ones, throwing them back in the lineup to give themselves an opportunity to win. I think for you, one thing I love is the fact that you understand that the only way we can grow in this game and get better is to put those guys in those situations. And you allow them to go out there and succeed, or you allow them to go out there and fail. But either way, there's a lesson to be learned from it. And um, I've always appreciated and respected that because I know a lot of people who would say, well, I, I don't want this loss on my record, so I'm going to take this kid out because I want my stud to get an opportunity to hit here and potentially win the game for us. So that's just, you know, from the outside looking in, being an assistant coach with you, that's one thing that I've always appreciated. So, well, you know. you know, and I think you just got to wear a different hat as a JV head coach. Uh, you know, my first priority is development. And, you know, that just means I might do something that reduces our chances to win today with the understanding that hopefully it improves the varsity chances of winning down the road. Um, Nailed it. You know, the way I look at it, I think, you know, think playing time and or playing position decisions. You know, where do we – where am I going to put a kid who I feel can be most successful today? Um, awesome. Yeah, I, mean, it's, I mean, I get it. You know, people want to win baseball games. I understand that. And – um you know, and we win them at the JV level, but it's because of the players we select. It's the buy-in from those players from a wake training and conditioning perspective that starts in the fall. And then the trust that they put in us as coaches to put them in situations to be successful. Um, Love it. And that's, I mean, that's just, that's, that's, yeah. So I mean, that's, you've, that's uh, You've hit on a lot of really good stuff. I had another question for you about non-negotiables, but I feel like yeah. we got about twenty. We got about eighteen minutes left, so I'm I'm going to skip over that because I feel like you've kind of. Well, I, actually, I'm not going to skip over that. Give me, well, give me yeah, a. I, I, I'll, I'll be brief on this. And okay, and I, yeah, I, let's I, don't skip over that because I, I think that's and important. I have, I, and I have many. I'm not going to name them all. I have, you know, in, in our dugout. You'll see when you go into our dugout. There's a laminated piece of paper. 10 simple ways to be great. And all 10 of those are, are really should be non-negotiable. But my biggest non-negotiable is be positively contagious. Yes. You know, and, and, and what's that mean? That means be positive. Pump positive thoughts through you, through your team. Because as easy as positive thoughts can transfer, negative thoughts can transfer just as easily. And you don't want that pumping through your dugout man that can ruin a team that can ruin i love that man ruin a player i mean you know a good attitude is contagious and a bad one is as well you don't want a bad attitude you got to be put positively contagious that's that's my non-negotiable right there. What's that? that's awesome well and it's uh hey that's, that's a good one man that you know i think the to your point there though like this game is so hard i, I talked about this on one of my podcasts in the past like and this is 
And this is from a guy named Steve Springer. He's one of the greatest mental coaches um, in my in my opinion. But he talks about the fact that this is the greatest morale-killing sport in the world. You know, you're going to fail three out of ten times to be a Hall of Famer. And it, it's all about, you know, who handles failure better than who handles success, right? And to your point about positively contagious, you've got to keep that positivity and you got to keep having the courage to show up and fight even after you're on an 0 for 10 streak or you've been getting tattooed on the mound or making errors or whatever. So I love that. Well, you know, and to add just a little bit to that, you know, you could, um, you know, listen, I certainly understand being frustrated. You know, if you feel like you let your team down or you feel like there was a situation in the game that you didn't perform at your best, I understand the frustration. You get frustrated. And, I, and I've mentioned this to our JV team. There should be like a three-second rule. You know, you got to have a short memory in this game, man. you gotta, you got to, okay, you be mad, but don't act like an idiot. Don't throw your freaking bat halfway across the, the field. Don't chunk your helmet across the dugout. You know, don't go in there punching walls. You're not hurting anybody but yourself. It ain't your. It's not your fist fault that you struck out. I understand. You know, I understand being frustrated, but you got to have a short memory. And if you carry that negativity with you throughout the remainder of the game, you're not going to hurt anybody else but yourself. And then there may be another opportunity in the game where that negativity is going to affect your team because you're going to do something because you're not in the right state of mind. Right. It's going to cost your team a, a run or something. That's awesome, man. So, so powerful, man. That's if we could just bottle that up and put it in everybody, you know, we'd be in a good spot. So, if I could have uh, gone back and told my 15 year old self this, I might have been drafted, you know. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> All right. So, we're going to shift gears one last time. We got about 15 yeah. minutes left. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about two really vital, well, I guess three really vital people really quick and kind of, you know, your perspective on what they can do uh, to make sure our kids are more prepared. I've talked about this in the past. I feel one of the challenges we run into as high school coaches is, um, you know, kids are showing up less and less prepared. Um, And and what I mean by that, I don't mean they don't have their bat. They don't have cleats. They don't, I I mean, mentally, like from a baseball IQ standpoint, from an understanding of the game standpoint, work ethic standpoint, concept of team standpoint, they're just not as prepared for the high school game. So I want to talk about three specific people. Um, So the first one is uh, what is something that our local rec coaches and local travel coaches can put an emphasis on? that would have future Bruins better prepared for when they got to high school? Um, well, first, you know, and, and I hope that I don't come off thinking that I know more than these coaches and I, I don't want to offend anybody, but I think there's, first off, I think there's too much emphasis on winning and less emphasis on the fundamentals of the game and how to play the game. Yep. Um, you know, I, I don't care that little Johnny was – the stud of your championship team. If little Johnny doesn't know that a man on second and he's playing first base and there's a hit to right field, where does he need to go to be a cutoff? And what happens if he's not there to be that cutoff? Well, what's going to happen is that that run who's rounding third is probably going to score regardless because a clean base hit to right field. But that guy who got that base hit, it's ended up going to take second and get in scoring position, which could ultimately be the winning run ball game over because little Johnny didn't get in the right spot. Let's yep. focus more on fundamentals, less about winning. 
I mean, you've got to focus on development. You've got to focus on fundamentals. Are we teaching the proper ways to run bases? I mean, and I love watching you coach every day, Brandon. I tell you, you do an incredible job with our base running, and I truly believe it makes a daggone difference because it puts pressure on the opponent when you know how to run the bases the right way. Do you know how to get the right lead? Um, I mean, are you learning how to bunt the right way? And there's kids that come to us that literally hold the bat, squeezing the bat with their hands to bunt. And, I mean, it's just, um, I mean, turning double plays. Are we, you know, are we teaching the importance of bunting? Not just how to bunt, but why are we bunting? Yep. You know, what's, what's I mean, which, which comes back to sportsmanship. You know, teach sportsmanship, you know. I mean, if children are watching professional sports today to learn sportsmanship, that's where you're getting the flip bats at. That's where you talk about yep. mouthing off at an umpire and then smack talk back and forth because that's where they're learning sportsmanship. Sportsmanship is something that's taught at an early age. Yep. You know, those are things that, that you know, that need to be spent more time on. Sportsmanship, fundamentals of the game, learning the game. You know, I, I think those three things are critical to a development of a kid as versus winning. I mean, I, I know 100%. you want to win. I get it. Everybody wants to win, man. But what are you but what are you doing for the future of our kids if they're not learning how to play the game of baseball? That's it, man. I've said for a long time, man, you know, our job as coaches, we gotta leave the world better than we found it. And if I could go back to myself ten years ago when I first got into coaching, coaching my own son, I mean, I've told this story plenty of times. I ran him out of the game because I didn't know how to be a good coach. And I think that's happening a lot at the rec levels now and at the travel ball level. It's and it's nothing against those guys because for every bad one, there's ten good ones. Yeah. Um but I, I just think well, and not to interrupt you, and we no, have okay. some good, you know, we have some good travel ball guys. Like, I, I was listening to your podcast the other day, and you were talking about John Chase, who's an incredible supporter of Bruin Baseball. He's a former teammate of mine. He's up in my office a couple times a week, and we'll talk about baseball, and he takes things that we're doing, and he will instill it in his his players, which is what you want to do. Now, he cares about winning also, yep. but he's also trying to develop his players to be the best baseball players they can be so when they get to that level of high school baseball that they're ready and they can transition into that without having to start over yep. you know I, I think today you know the proper way to get loose we talk about this with our kids all the time the right way to get loose and i truly believe that that might be a reason you see a lot of injuries nowadays in these younger kids because they're not properly taught how to get loose and then obviously they're being overworked too, but yeah, but they're not getting loose the right way to begin with. I mean, yeah. long tossing, the importance of long tossing, how that strengthens your arm. You know, um, everybody's looking for the quick fix, man. A lot of people want the you know the the quick the quick way to throw ninety instead of the slow and steady process. It's uh, it's crazy. Um, and, 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 you know, there's there's great program. There, you know, there's great, we have a great – we have great rec departments. Greenwood is a great rec department. Del May is a great rec department. The new Little League, I think, is going to be great. Yes. Uh, I wish we could spend more time out in the community um, during the off season, obviously. But it's a 10-month job with us, and, and we're busy all season, almost as busy in the off season we are in season. You yep. know, um, just spend more time with these coaches and 
not telling them to do it this way, but just showing them what we do. And maybe that'll help. Give them, give them a blueprint. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, if you're listening to this and you're a rec coach um, or a travel coach and like that's something you'd be interested in, let us know. You know, we'd be more than happy to try to, you know, work something out to kind of, if we have an opportunity to maybe do a clinic for you or, you know, come out to one of your practices or whatever. That's something we definitely all we're all about growing the game. So, you know, and it's the fundamentals of the game that make this thing so that make this game so hard that they need to work on. It's the it's the small things, the fundamentals. Absolutely. All right. So we got about five minutes. So we're gonna close it down after this question. Um yep. the other important part of this equation uh from a development standpoint is the parents. I've talked extensively about parents and kind of their role and how important they are in the process of a player, you know, buying into their role, executing their role and everything else. So um, what are some, what, as, as the head JV coach, what are some observations you've made on what parents can do a little bit better to help prepare their kids for when they get to you? Man, this is, I mean, I don't think this, I mean, this, this just isn't just applying to our JV players or middle school players. I think this is just kids today across this country in in this game of baseball. And, And I hope parents don't take this the wrong way, but, the players that, that, that come to us are not mentally prepared for the failures that play in this game is going to bring. Mm. I mean, and we talked about it a little bit ago. I mean, you're going to fail more times than not at playing baseball. It's hard. I mean, it, like I said earlier, this game will put you down quick. And the kids today, not just at South Florence, but, uh, but just in my overall view, they don't know how to respond to failure. I mean, as a hitter, you're not going to be successful every time at the plate. You're just not. And that's okay. Um, yes, you want to believe that you're going to be successful. You have to have confidence in order to be a, a good baseball player. However, you don't mentally check out when you're not successful. Um, you know, and I think that starts in the home. I think that that has to be – I think there's too much pressure for kids to be successful every at-bat. Or every time they make a pitch, every pitch has to be a strike. Every time they're at the plate, you've got to get a hit. And if you're not getting that hit, what do you normally see? You see a father going to a dugout, talking to his kid about what he did wrong. I mean, to me, that puts a tremendous amount of pressure on a kid who's seven and eight or nine or ten. And that just comes to us, you know, when they have an at-bat. And to them, it may not be a quality at-bat, but to us, it is a quality at-bat. And they're pouting. You know, they just don't. How you respond to adversity defines you as a baseball player. And how you respond to adversity defines you as a man. It's as simple as that. And <clears> kids <throat> need to be better prepared to respond to adversity the right way. And God, that's all for them. That's what I'm talking about. Man, I felt that one. Say it one more time for the people in the back, Coach Allison. I said how you respond to adversity defines you as a baseball player. And how you respond to adversity defines you as a man. If you respond the wrong way, you're not going to be successful in anything you do in life. It's great input from Coach Allison there. That I, you know what I I was going to ask one more question because we had like two minutes left, but we got, we got time. <laughs> well, I, I just don't want to take away from the podcast episode because that I mean that was that that was the best way to close it down right there. But since okay. since I got you, one last thing. Okay, what's your favorite thing about being a coach? Oh man, the relationships with the players. The relationships with the coaches that that I work with, um, I love working with these kids every day. 
For me, it's a feeling of satisfaction from helping these kids develop and achieve their goals on the field and off the field. I said it earlier, uh, my baseball coach was a huge inspiration in my life, and I hope that one day these kids can say the same thing, that Coach Allison really made a difference in my life and where I am today. And then obviously the coaches that I work with, you, Rhodes, Coach Gray, Coach Scott, Coach Timo, I mean, it's a brotherhood. That same feeling that you get when you're a baseball player, of a, 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 that sense of fraternity, that brotherhood feeling, we got it now as a coaching staff, and I think that's why we're one of the best in the state. We're one of the best in 4A baseball is our camaraderie, our relationships. Yes, we argue. Yes, we disagree. But at the end of the day, we come to an understanding that the decisions that's being made is for the best interest for the team and the best interest for the player to be successful. Mm. Man, Coach Allison with some pure audio gold this morning, Coach. That's what I'm talking about. Man. Well, it's, a great, it's a great day, baby. It's Tuesday, you know. We got, got the old. Today. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, it's I, I, I've talked about this in the past, man. You know, from a coaching standpoint, outside of our wife and kids, you know, these are some of the most meaningful and impactful relationships in our lives, man. And I think good coaches out there, they all share in that. And that feeling that, you know, it's a brotherhood, it's, you know, and, and to your point about, you know, kind of where we're at as a, as a program. Um, yeah, we have, we have great kids. We've got great parents, but we got great coaches too. And I think sometimes, you know, we don't do that to beat our chest and everything else. I just think at the end of the day, when I look around at why we've been able to have the success we've had over the years, it comes back to, you know, we've been able to stay the course as an entire coaching staff, continue to get better. Um, you know, and really get our kids to buy into to the things that are going to help them be successful. And then, and then they go and just do the work and they make us look a lot better than we are sometimes. So, but um, right. and I, think, I think buy-in is the key word there. And I think it starts at the very top. It starts with the parents, the buy-in, the trust that they have in us to watch over their kids, to mentor their kids, to buy-in and trust from the kids. And then us as coaches. I mean, I think it's a, it's got to be, it's got to be that way. You can have great coaches, you have great players, but you have some disagreements going on outside defense with parents we've seen it it'll it'll destroy a program we've seen it with other programs destroy other programs when they have more talent yep that's 100 percent true man all right first ever uh episode of coach's corner on the transformational coaching podcast that was hey i think i think uh coach Rhodes dickerson's next and he's got some big shoes to fill on that one man well, I knew you know, Coach Allison would come off the top rope here and uh, really set the uh, set the uh, set set the bar really really high. That's what he does. So, Coach, that was a phenomenal job. Thank you for spending an hour of your time. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, spend an hour of your time to you know really talk and you know help grow the game a little bit, give some insight into things that are important to you and things that are important to our program at South Lawrence. So, can't thank you enough for that. Um, how can people get in touch with you, Coach? You got a Twitter feed or you got a Twitter thing or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Trey Allison, T-R-A-E, last name A-L-L-I-S-O-N. I'm on Twitter, at Trey Allison, I believe. Um, Sam Lapper Baseball, you can get in touch with me. Uh, uh, the district email, you can get in touch with me, whatever. I'm, I'm not hard to find. If you can't find me those ways, Come to South Lawrence Baseball Field. I'll be out there. That's it. All right, Coach. Well, thank you for everything you do for the game. We're going to shut it down now. Um, 
best of luck to you for the rest of this JV season and this varsity season. I'll be right there with you for for uh, along for the journey. Um, and to all the listeners, thank you for uh, taking spending your time listening to uh, the content. Thank you for the follows, the likes, the reviews, everything you're doing to help grow this podcast. And uh, we appreciate it. We couldn't do it without you. So. Uh, That's going to wrap up episode 12 of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. Thank you for joining. Uh, We'll get this up very soon because this is just absolute great stuff. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Be cool and go Bruins. See ya.